This is a HeadGum Podcast. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Welcome back to another episode of Just a Tip, the podcast that's equally about its tangents as it is about its tips. I'm your host, Megan Batune, and today is gonna be interesting. It's another solo episode. I think I'm gonna start doing more solo episodes and taking questions from the at Just a Tip podcast Instagram. You can DM me at any time on that account. I will read all of the messages and whichever ones start to come up quite frequently, then I'm going to consolidate them into an episode. So today we're going to be talking about confidence and fear of failure and career and hardships, everything that has to do with kind of following your dreams or figuring out what you want to do in in life. Well, not life, but like for money. (laughs) I will say at the time of recording, I have anxiety and my heart is beating really fast. And I don't know if that's because I am thinking about fear because that's what this episode is about, but I definitely feel that in my body. So how interesting. (laughs) With that being said, I do want to talk about something that happened this morning. If this isn't your first time tuning in, you're aware of who my good friend Tony is. If this is your first time listening, Tony is a friend of mine that I met when I was 14 years old, I think at an Olive Garden parking lot. And my mom completely ripped into him because I was in a car with a boy. Can you imagine? But he was a very fine, nice kid. And I was lying to my parents. So cut to right before the pandemic, Tony wants to come out to LA to become a stand-up comedian. And there's not a lot of open mic circuits in Orlando. So he moves out here. He watches my cats for the entire duration that I was on this project that I will tell you in June what that was. And now I am back. We are coexisting together. We have a podcast on the corner project called Wrecked Room. Wrecked? (laughs) Get wrecked. It's called Wreck Room. And he's a great guy, hilarious comedian, amazing intentions, love having him around. However, it's been very hard for him to find some sort of stable work through the pandemic, understandably. But now it's coming to the point where he doesn't know if he can stay here because he doesn't have a job. He wants to do comedy and the best place to do comedy is either New York or LA. So he's got to figure this out. I also should have asked him if I could tell this story, but you know... (laughs) If you're listening to this, Tony, I guess, you know, we can talk when you get home. I said something this morning. We went to our favorite Filipino coffee shop and we got some Pandasol and we were sitting in the parking lot listening to brand new or dashboard confessional or something like that. 
eating Pandasol. And I was saying like, if you want to make it work, like he said something along the lines of like, I'm not going to be able to stay here. I have to go home. And it sounded like really definitive. And I said, well, not with that attitude, because there's that saying, whether you think you can or you can't, you're right. And I wholeheartedly believe that. Me, I don't know if it's because I'm an Aries. I don't know if it's because I left my house when I was 18 and I didn't have anywhere to live and essentially I had to figure it out on my own. To me, there's no plan B. I don't have a backup plan and I don't think I ever did. I always was following where I was pulled to. And now that I'm older, I think that was my intuition telling me that I was, I was being like magnetically charged and compelled to whatever that might be, whether that was dance at the time or interior design or whatever it is. I was never really that confused. So that's the backstory of where I'm coming from. But when Tony said that, I was like, hey man, if you want to be here and you want to make this happen, you let me know, you just say the word. It's like, it's like that Catholic saying, just say the word and you shall be healed. Like just say the words, I want to stay in LA and I will do everything in my power to help you stay here because in my world, there's only what I want. And in my past, I grew up thinking that I could have what I wanted because I made it happen. Not because like I had the money or I had the resources or I had whatever. Obviously now I'm in a different position because I've been doing this long enough to where I have a support system and I've got some security. But before, oh my God, are you... Like, oh my God, I did not have any tools or belief in me aside from the belief that I had in myself. And that's all it takes. Like if you want to get somewhere, it takes not only work, fuck ton of work, but a fuck ton of believing in yourself. And that's so vital that like you have to have a little bit of a skewed perception of like how, you know what? Now that I'm saying this, I think it comes down to a little bit of an obsession. I can only speak from my experience, right? I get really into things. I fully immerse myself whenever I'm interested in in doing something. If it's a learning bass or learning how to dance, like whatever I want to do, I make sure I live, breathe and eat it. And maybe that's not very healthy, but that is how I've gotten to my level that I'm currently at now, which is obviously I'm not done growing, but like from beginning to now, it was consistent thought and research and really curiosity into whatever that was. And so knowing that I can rely on myself because I believe in myself so much, I think that's the most important. And when you're moving to LA, it's very difficult. Like things are so expensive here for no reason. And it's really like, maybe it's not like you have to believe in yourself a hundred percent because that's not really possible. Everyone, if you're human, we're going to have doubts. Some days I don't believe in myself. Like to right now, I'm not feeling that confident because I don't actually know if this is going to be a good podcast, but I'm still recording it anyway, because I believe in myself at least 51% that it might be helpful for someone. So you cannot believe in yourself, but you have to believe in yourself more than you don't. I definitely think there's duality. I don't think it's all or nothing. I don't think it's like you love yourself or you hate yourself. I think it could absolutely coexist at the same time. There's two things that I want to say before we start is fear of failure. I still have it. I think many people still have it. There's a lot of things that I won't do because I'm afraid. You know what? I'm not afraid of failure. I just know that I'll be so damn anxious that it's not worth my mental health and energy to put myself in a situation that, yeah, I could grow from this. I could get more career opportunities if I say, 
public spoke at these colleges. Like, I just don't want to because that makes me feel like I'm going to shit my pants. And I just don't want to do that. It's just not something that I want to do today. I'm so sorry. I would much rather help in whatever way feels comfortable to me. So this is an interesting concept, and I almost wish I wasn't alone to talk about this, but every episode of Just a Tip, I put up a discussion thread on Substack, which is the where the corner project is. It's for paying subscribers only, but I really want to open up a discussion thread that's for the safe community that we are cultivating here. So if you have any thoughts while you're listening to this or afterwards, please head on over to meganbatoon.substack.com. There's going to be a discussion thread for this episode. Just find the same number write your thoughts out. I definitely want to hear what your thoughts are because I am just by myself right now and I can only speak to what I know or what I feel. But what I'm thinking about now is the comfort zone and the growth zone. And you've seen these diagrams, these Venn diagrams that say like, right when you get out of your comfort zone, that's where you start to grow. I agree with that. But at the same time, there's a way to push yourself healthily in the comfort zone. So say that I want to help people which is my big mission, is I want to help people and it's using my platforms and I'm speaking. However, it doesn't need to be in the format of a live, you know, panel or something like that. It doesn't need to be in a college auditorium. I don't, I do not like public speaking. However, I am doing a podcast and I am talking about the things that I'm interested in helping with. So I, I think that like, don't get too hung up on the comfort zone thing because there is ways to challenge yourself by still being comfortable enough to, you know, take one step outside of the box that you're used to being in. I think what might get a little murky is if you believe in yourself a little bit, I will say that the one thing that does annoy me, and I've seen this in people that move to LA, is everyone wants to make it here, right? You People come across the country in order to get something that they couldn't achieve at their hometowns because, they, you know, we just didn't have those opportunities. Here, it's so hard because every person that was looking for something else more than their hometown could offer moves here. And now we are all in, I'm not even going to say competition with each other, but when it comes to jobs, there's only a specific amount of people that they can hire. So you're put into a pool with people that have the same goals that you do, that have the same dreams that you do in, in some way. And sometimes it's just nepotism. It's sometimes like, who do you know? Sometimes it's the way you look like in the dance community Oh my God. So many auditions that I went to weren't even about how good I was as a dancer. It was, was I short enough? Was I skinny enough? Was I pretty enough? Was I whatever? There's going to be other people that want to do the thing that you want to do. And it comes down to how bad do you want it? I've talked to my friends all the time about this. It's like, if you want it bad enough, you will do everything in your power in order to make it happen. And I think that goes back to me saying that it takes a little bit of obsession because it honestly, I wish there was a little bit nicer of a word than obsession because it's got the negative connotation, but it needs to be the thing that's like fueling you. It needs to be the thing that pushes you towards something greater. It needs to be this, like, it needs to be the motivation in order for you to make the first step, regardless of how scared you are. And honestly, I think that anybody can do it. If you have the want and the drive, you don't need resources. Resources will just help you because I've made my own resources. There like there was a time that I was working four jobs in order to have enough money to just get a flight to LA. 
to move here. This is a perfect time to bring in the first question, which is your experience as an adult moving across the country. What were the challenges and hardships? Honestly, I always forget that I did this. Like I just had a conversation with one of my friends about forgetting how hard we've worked because I constantly forget about how hard it was to make it to the point that I can sit down and recollect everything that happened. I'm gonna make a longer video about this, like the entire dance journey. But honestly, my parents did not want me to go this direction. They were very against it and I had to actively push. And and to be honest, it wasn't really pushing. I was just being pulled harder into a direction that was not where they were trying to push me. After I booked my first film and I understood that I could make a living off of dance, I only wanted to do that. It was something that I loved and it was financially stable. I knew college would always be there if I wanted to go back. And I worked those four jobs. I apparently wrote a letter to my dad that he still won't let me read, which do not know what it said. I'm imagining that it was like, hey dad, gonna follow my passion. Don't care what you think. Thanks for letting me crash on your couch. Love you lots, bye. And then I saved up enough money. I flew to LA. I stayed in Chinatown for one night with a dancer from Poriotics, if we can remember ABDC. And then after that, I stayed with a friend of mine that I met on Step Up For on his couch for, I don't know how long, but I do remember him saying like, how much longer are you gonna be on the couch? And do you have a job or an apartment yet? So I, I know it was long enough to not be okay, but I, I don't remember the actual amount of time. I moved without a job set up. I didn't know where I was gonna live. I legit booked a one-way ticket on Virgin America and I just came here. And I don't know how I had so much gall. I think like, I think I just knew that I wanted it so bad that I wouldn't let myself fail. And honestly, failure, like, what does that mean to you? Failure, does failure mean like you didn't do a good job based on the expectations that you had of yourself? That's not failure. That's too high of an expectation. I think that also, I've mentioned this before, but failure is just feedback. The only time you're failing is literally on a report card. Like, okay, I failed. I need to take this class again. Cool. Failure, even on like a test, even like if we take that and break it down into micro sections, if you failed a test in a class, that's not really, that's just saying that there's an opportunity for a little bit of tweaking in order to get a better grade. And then you can pass. I think that anytime that you quote unquote fail, it's an invitation to survey what happened and how you can do better the next time. That's not to say that the fear of failure isn't real. It absolutely is. And there's actually a word for it. What is it called? Fear of failure. It's called, we're going to have to consult Emma saying, because I do not know how to say this. A tickophobia. A tickophobia, that is the fear of failure. And that's super real. This is something that can come from so many different avenues from either childhood, if you had critical or unsupportive parents, being humiliated, bullied, any important event that became traumatic, like, oh my God, oh my God, it's clicking. Holy shit. This is why, okay, I have a huge fear of public speaking. I absolutely hate it. Anytime that people 
email my manager and they're like, we would love to have Megan do a public speech about whatever topic, even something that I really love. Like if somebody asked me to speak on mental health, I still wouldn't do it because I hate public speaking. And now that I just said, if there was an important event that was traumatic, that can result in this feeling of the fear of failure or a techophobia literally happened to me. Oh my God, I'm so embarrassed now. (laughs) I can feel it. Oh my God, all over. This is honestly something I need to talk to my therapist about. One time my sister got married and I was the maid of honor and it was around the time that I was like super into stand up and I thought it was so smart. I loved the structure of stand up. I love set up punchline, set up punchline, set up punchline and then a big callback and that becomes a bit. And so I was like, okay, let me write a really funny maid of honor speech. And so on the flight to Florida, which is six hours, I wrote like five paragraphs and ever it was set up punchline, set up punchline. And it was supposed to be nice. It was supposed to be, you know, nostalgic. I wrote about this time where we got, I got really mad at her for some reason. And her favorite DVD was Matilda. And I took her Matilda DVD and I scratched it. We were living in this house, I think in Georgia at the time, we moved a ton when I was a kid. And we had a Jack and Jill bathroom, which is where there's two separate bedrooms, but they're linked by the same bathroom. So I took her Matilda DVD and I know how much she loved it. And I took, (laughs) I, I lifted up one of the bath mats and I scratched it so hard. And we had like tile that was like Spanish style. So it had grooves in it. And I scratched it so hard to make sure it was never playable ever again. This was the last time that she was going to have joy watching little Matilda do some magic. Okay. I literally made it so that (laughs) I'm evil. I understand now that I am evil. This is what it's like to have siblings. If you know, you know. So after that years down the road, she's finally getting married and we are at the reception and I'm about to give my speech. It's time for the maid of honor. Okay. I come out there. And this is before I knew I had generalized anxiety disorder. I didn't know any, I knew I had performance anxiety, but I didn't know how deep the anxiety river ran. So I get up on stage and I am quivering one. And I go through my speech. And the thing is like, I knew that I could fluff in between. I knew that I had a specific amount of things to say, but I also had never seen a wedding speech before. I didn't know how long they should be. I just was thinking like, oh, I'm going to do a a short set. Like I'm going to do a quick five minutes, but I think it was like 15 or something like that. I honestly don't know. It was the worst thing. And honestly saying it right now, I can almost see people's faces looking up at me, like counting down the minutes. This is so traumatic actually. Oh my God. And so it was so horrible. I told the story. I wanted to die the whole time. I I real I could feel people being like, okay, the red light. If you've ever been to a comedy club, the, the red light goes on when you have like a minute left or something. It's basically like, hey, wrap it up. Or I think it's five minutes. And so, oh my God, it wasn't just a red light. I was seeing red everywhere. This is the worst moment of my life. And then I don't see my family for a long time. And I'm, I'm so embarrassed during, and I don't think I ever speak about it again. And then I go to my cousin's wedding. Oh my God. I go to my cousin's wedding. This is a couple years later. And then one of my cousins is sitting next to me. And I was like, I didn't want to 
be there anymore. I forget what was going on. Like the energy was not just not right. I wasn't feeling it. Um, I don't know. I was just like, Hey, I kind of want to go. And so I asked my cousin, like, what are, what are the order of events in a wedding? Like, okay, we just, they got married. We're in the reception thing. We are eating dinner. Okay. And so they're going to cut the cake. Cool. 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 Then they're going to have a maid of honor speech. Great. And then is that it? Like I was just asking her. And then she was like, Oh my God, do you remember when you, (laughs) she brought up the most traumatic public thing in my life that I still honestly wasn't over. I had talked to so many of my friends about this and I just wasn't over it. This was a couple of years later. And she was like, remember when you did that 15 minute maid of honor speech and we were all like, why is this taking so long? And she even told me that her boyfriend at the time like turned to her and like, I forgot the joke that he made, but it was something that really affected me. It really made me feel so awful. I can right now in current time, feel heat in my cheeks because I have vicarious embarrassment, which is really a term that's made because you're embarrassed by somebody else. But honestly, I have vicarious embarrassment from me in the past. Like this is still so embarrassing for me. And that's honestly why I don't public speak anymore. I also never really liked it, but I, it's, it's a huge actual fear. And it is a fear of failure in a way because I did so terribly then but it's not to fail. It's, I just am learning that I don't ever want to put myself in that situation anymore. So that is, now we're getting into the territory of the theory of risk aversion, which is basically saying that we are conditioned to choose safety and familiarity over anything that's unpredictable, anything that we don't know the answer to. So it's like in a way keeping us safe, but it's because something happened that's so traumatic that we never want to put ourselves in that position again. It's basically the same thing of saying when we touch fire and it hurts, we learn to never touch fire again. It's the exact same thing. I think there, again, this is just me speaking, but I think there's a difference between the fear of failure and learning what you don't want to do. Like, obviously I've got trauma in that department that I still need to have some work with, but at the same time, it's not, it's not getting to the point where I'm self-sabotaging myself. I am not I'm not destined to become a public speaker, I guess. Like I'm not reluctant to try a new thing because I've already tried it and I realize that I don't want it. I think what's interesting here after we kind of uncovered a little a little section of trauma that I forgot I had is if you have a fear of failure, let me know. Let's talk about this in the discussion thread. Let's talk about fear of failure. And honestly, even at my wedding speech, I didn't fail. I just was a weirdo. I just was so scared and nervous that I over talked and it was weird and kind of lame. That's fine. I didn't fail. I just learned that, oh, I never want to do this again. And then when I do, one of my friends loves speeches and I like truly am never going to give a speech at anyone's wedding, not even my own, but I will do one for her because it's so important to her. But now I've learned all I need to say is like three sentences. I don't need to over talk. And that's something that I used to rely on because if I was anxious, I would just talk more and I would find my way through. The point where the fear of failure gets to be too much is when it prevents you from actually trying something new. I had a friend that wanted to start a podcast and they were so scared that it was not right or not good that they didn't even get through recording a test episode or they didn't even, at one point they didn't even want to do a test episode. And that's, 
this is what I will say to anyone that's trying to do something that they've never done before, especially if it's in maybe a creative field, is you just have to try. And the thing is, you can try in privacy. You can record something and never put it out. You can write something and burn it. It doesn't matter about the output. What matters is that you take the first step in actually going in the direction of your dreams. Don't think about the end result when you're first starting. You can dream up what you might want the end to be and have some sort of motivational goal, but that should never be the end point. And definitely it shouldn't be the point where you say like, I finally made it or I can be happy now because I've achieved this. Every single step in the direction of your goal is a step to victory, is a good place to celebrate every single step. I'm getting so far off topic from the question that asks like about me moving across country. I will finish that in the most succinct way of saying this. I was scared shitless to move out to LA. I didn't have a place to live. I didn't have a job. I didn't have my car. I kind of didn't really have anything. The only thing I really had was the want and the desire. I wanted it more than anything. I just wanted it bad enough. I wanted it so badly that I was risking everything that I had to make it work. And when you don't have a plan B, you're going to do everything to make it work. There's definitely a lot of challenges and hardships financially. Absolutely. But also I didn't really know anybody. So I didn't have a support system. My friends and family were across the country. I missed everyone so badly. I, I was the new kid. I had to prove myself or so I thought. I think I called my mom for like six months every single day crying, saying I didn't want to be here. But I told myself I would give myself one year. And if I didn't like it then, then I would move back. And I fell in love with it because I made it work for me because I wanted it bad enough. And I'm I'm sure there's so many people listening and being like, yeah, but like so many people don't have X, Y, and Z. Neither did I. And I'm sure that I still had more privileges, obviously, than others. But the thing is, you make the resources that you need. That's why DIY is such a big part of my life. I literally had to DIY my dreams. And that's not to say or discount any of the help or the support or the people I've met on my way, but I'm in the driver's seat. It's up to me. It's up to you. It's up to how bad you want something and you can make it work. If you think you don't have time, there is a way to make time. You can wake up a little bit earlier. You can go to bed a little bit later. There's another question that says, how do I jumpstart my career and passions? And I'll answer this quickly of what I think, because I do want to get to the flip side after a break. But this goes along with what I had just said is if you want it badly enough, then take the first step of writing down a list of all of the things that you could do in order to get closer to that goal. Like take a sheet of paper write what the goal is at the very top, then go down and write some bullet points of what you would love to do in the career or passion or hobby or whatever it is, right? So we'll take bass, for example, like I'm not going to become a bass player or I don't think so. I'm not ruling anything out. So this is a very silly example, but say that I want to become TikTok famous because uh, of bass, my bass playing. So this is my, my idea, right? Being a TikTok bass star is the goal and which is absolutely not true, but just bear, bear with me just for the example. So it goes at the very top, I'll put project. I always put project at the very top of anything that I do because everything is a project. Project, colon, 
TikTok bass star. Number one, learn how to play bass. That's a huge one. Got to learn. Two, record TikTok videos. In number one, in just like learning base. That's already so many things. How do I learn? Okay. Then go into each number and bullet point things that would help you with that goal. So say that I want to learn how to play bass. Okay. Here's some of the bullet points that I write down on learning how to play bass. It would be one, look up YouTube videos about bass for beginners. Another bullet would be find an online course teaching people how to play bass. The third bullet would be find games that you can play that teach you how to play bass. Four would be research articles on what people wish that they learned about bass when they first started. Another bullet could be watch bass player covers on YouTube. Another one could be put on headphones and listen to the bass lines in my favorite songs. I'm a highly visual learner and planner. And so when I see something like that, I can now pick and choose whatever I want to do on the day that I feel like it. I also think that when you wake up, you're not going to feel the same every single day. So I would... I don't think I would say like every single day, do this, like every single day practice. Not really. Like, I think that there's different ways to be in tune with how you want to proceed without being rigid. And that's like monumental for me to say. I always used to go in the beginning of when I bought a base, I wanted to get so good within a year that I told myself that I would practice two hours every single day, no matter what. And knowing me, I would make it happen. But now I'm on a much more intuitive wavelength that it's like, well, if I don't want to practice that day, then I don't. But that's a hobby. I think for your career or passion, I think what it really comes down to is just trying. Try, start in any way that you can, Start with the first step and every day do one step, whatever feels the most comfortable to you. So in my list, if one day was like, I can't even look at a base, then I can put, then I would choose the bullet where I put my headphones on and I listen to my favorite songs and I listen for the baselines on a day that I felt particularly more productive than I would go through an online course and do however many classes I could on that day. I think there's so many avenues and so many directions that you could use with one topic. And as long as you are still immersed in it somehow and it's a part of your life, then you will consistently make strides because it's really a 360 approach. It isn't hitting the head hard on one thing. You're doing so many things that's going to build a better foundation for whatever you're doing. And I think to jumpstart something is to really integrate yourself in it. Okay. We're going to take a break and I'll be right back to talk about the flip side. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality. So you can be sure with upfront pricing. That's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 
Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. And we are back. I am still very anxious, so I need to consult with what's going on there. But I do want to talk about the other side. We just talked about how to pursue your dreams in a way. I came across a question that said, can you speak on coming to terms with your career, not necessarily being your passion? And I think that this is a very interesting question because for me, from the beginning of time, I've always been tinkering with furniture around my place. Like when I was younger, we didn't have a lot of money. So all of the furniture that I had accumulated, it was in my room and I would just feng shui it basically to make it feel different. And I loved it. And I took that forward with me. And when I moved to LA and I had no money, I got my couch off the street and I would go to Goodwill and get all my decorations. And I would just continuously try and make something out of honestly, it's like scraps and trash. That never was a career to me. That was always a passion thing. It was always just a part of me. And now I'm getting to the point where I'm reaching kind of like a cross point, like an intersectionality of career and passion to where I do want to flip houses and I want to have my own show on TV about this. But what scares me is if I make it my career, I'm going to lose my love for it. I'm going to lose my passion for it because that's happened in the past. As a dancer, I love dancing. And then when it became the only thing that I did, I started to lose the passion for it. The same thing with cooking. I made my first YouTube video and it was a cooking video. And I had a friend tell me that you need to do one thing on YouTube to be popular because the algorithm will only serve your videos if you do one niche thing. And I tried to do that for a while and I tried to become a cooking channel. And it was seriously one of the worst parts of my YouTube career because I was not having fun by the end, like at all. It was just, okay, I'm doing this again. I was so stagnant and bored and I felt like I was being put in a box because I was, I was putting myself in a box. And so I am reaching a point in my life where I don't know how much I should integrate my passion into what I want my career to be. My manager even said, I came off the show hella hot. And I was like, I'm only going to be an interior designer. Like that's going to be my main thing. I'm going to do only that. And I, I tried to like do TikToks and reels and Instagram. It was just like, everything I did was about design and I love design and I'll love it till the day I die. But I don't know if I need to make that my career. I think it might be special if I just keep that for myself. And I think that that's okay. I think not making your passion, your career might be a good thing. I think when we were younger, everyone would tell us like, do what you love. You'll never have to work a day in your life. That's also not true. Even the things that you love, you're going to have to work on. Oh my God. If I was an interior designer, you know how much work I would have to do for other people? A ton. There's going to be work no matter what you choose. I think it's absolutely fine. If not 
probably better for your mental health and your passions to have some sort of separation. I think that there should be something that you enjoy doing and that can be financially rewarding. I think there's something that you can keep for yourself, a a hobby or a passion that you don't make money from. And that's going to fulfill you in so many ways because you're never going to tie your passion to a stress point. This is something that I would love to hear your opinion on too, because I actually don't know how my friends feel about this. This is how I feel. Right before I recorded this, I painted a little bit of my bookshelf. And I thought in the back of my mind, like, oh man, I really should record this because this could be a good TikTok. This could be a good reel. This could be a good whatever. And it's like, social media is a way that I do have a career, but not every single thing that I do needs to be for that. Like some things are just for me. The things that I paint and the things that I design that are just for me are things that I enjoy even more. Like that's a really truly spiritual almost. Like it's a very special thing to me that I don't need to share with everybody even though that's my job. I can maybe share a before and after and make something about it, but like I don't need to intervene or interfere with the flow state because I want to capitalize on it for money. I don't need to do that. It's just, I have learned the difference between something that makes me feel good and something that makes money. And I think for a while that got convoluted because I was just doing what I like to do, but filming it. And and that is cool and good, but that also got me into a lot of trouble before because I was filming my life because that's how I was making money back when I was only doing Megan bites. And in turn, that turned something that was a passion or that I was passionate about my relationship and completely blew it up. So I think having a delineation between your passion and your career is actually pretty cool. I think if there's a way that you could integrate parts of your passion into parts of your career or vice versa, that's amazing. And that's gonna make it all the more easy for you. But I don't think that you should feel bad if you keep your passion for yourself and you make your career something else. And now this is towards the end of the podcast and we're going to bring it right back to Tony. But I, speaking of standups, at one time I went to a standup class and the teacher said to find a job that has nothing to do with your passion, which your passion is standup. And if you want to do open mics at night, you need to have enough mental stimulation and enough mental energy left over from your day job that you can perform at night. And I think that's a really interesting concept because if your passion and your career are the same thing, then after you clock out from your career, you're going to have no want or desire to interact with your passion afterwards because you're going to be so worn out. I think having a career that is financially stable and challenging and rewarding at the same time, but doesn't completely deplete you, that's the way to do it. Make your money where you can make it by still having a good time. That would be even better. And then go do the thing that you feel like you're born to do. And if you don't feel like you're born to do, that's very fine too. You don't need to have like a higher calling or like feel like you, you don't need, don't worry about that right now. If you want to do something, just make sure that you have enough time and energy to do it. You can work a career and then you can do your passion on the side. And if you want to bloom your passion into a separate career, another form of money, another revenue stream, go ahead and do it. But I think All I can really say as almost like a cautionary tale or my one word of advice is make sure to save some passion for you and only you. 
With that being said, go do something that you love just because you love it today. That is my invitation to you. And also inviting you to join the discussion thread to talk about the fear of failure and everything that I kind of talked about to myself. I want to hear your input. So go to meganbatoon.substack.com. That's the corner project. There's going to be a discussion thread for this episode. So go over there, hit me up. Let me know what you think. I can't wait to talk to you guys all about it and feel free to talk to each other. This is a complete community. We're all in this together and we can learn from one another. So let me know what you think and I will see you next time on Just a Tip. Bye. That was a HeadGum Podcast. <laughs>